The Los Angeles City Council will most likely vote on the LA 2024 bid Tuesday of this week. And the city of Rio is prepping to celebrate another mile marker on the road to the 2016 Olympic and Paralympic Games. You're listening to the latest Sunday edition of ATR Radio. I'm Nicole Bennett. The L.A. City Council began discussions and hearings regarding the 2024 bid proposal last week. After two days of hearings, the council remained undecided on moving forward with the bid proposal. Delaying the vote to this Tuesday has allowed the council to fully examine the lengthy bid book, as well as provide the opportunity for those in favor of the bid to present their case for approval. Bid leader Casey Wasserman was present on behalf of LA 2024. The council will also take into account presentations from the LA 84 Foundation regarding the legacy of the 1984 Olympics left on the city and the effects it had on the local economy. David Simon, president of the LA Sports Council, says that the city's history with the Games will hopefully set up a strong bid for the 2024 Summer Olympics. In speaking with Around the Ring, Simon weighed in on the U.S. Olympic Committee's hopes for striking a deal soon with LA to host the games. Simon tells ATR that the situation in LA right now is reminiscent of the situation that the city faced in the late 1970s during the bidding process for the 1984 Summer Olympics. Uh, At that time, uh, not so much with the USOC, um, uh, but at the IOC level, uh, Los Angeles was the only candidate in the running. And that led to a negotiation with the IOC, and they were willing to change the way they had um, structured the contract with host cities up until that time. Uh, and I can imagine that there there could be a uh, you know similar conversation going on now uh, with the USOC, not necessarily about the contract, but about some issues. Now we've mentioned the 1984 Olympics in reference a lot to the success the city has had hosting events like this. What makes LA capable of hosting an event of that size and and why do you think right now would be a good time for the city to to bid for an event like this? Well, Los Angeles has hosted the Olympics twice and very successfully both times. Uh, Each took place in a very different era. The first Olympics in 1932 were in the middle of the Depression, and the second Games uh, took place uh, actually uh, during the opposite, during a period of, uh, you know, robust financial performance by the U.S. economy in the uh, the early to mid-1980s. But the two Games had something in common, and that is that right up until they started, there was a great degree of skepticism in the local community uh, and perhaps elsewhere that they would be successful. And it's uh, easier to clear the bar when that is the local expectation than if expectations are sky high. Uh, So to be specific, in the case of the 1932 Olympics, the situation was it was in the middle of the Depression. Uh, There were reports coming from around the world that uh, countries wouldn't be able to afford to send their athletes so far away. Uh, because all the recent games had been in Europe up to that time. Uh, There were also reports that Los Angeles uh, maybe wasn't up to the task. Uh, And in fact, there were reports that a year or so before the Olympics, the offices of the organizing committee were stoned by local mobs with rocks breaking windows uh, because it was believed that uh, it wasn't the appropriate time to be putting on a festival like the Olympics when there were bread lines outside. Um, So uh, there was a lot of skepticism, but when the games 
actually took place, uh, it was as if this euphoria swept over the city and everyone got caught up in the excitement. Uh, and they were tremendously successful and they were the first Olympics, not incidentally, to generate a financial surplus. Uh, they generated a surplus of more than a million dollars in the middle of the Depression, which was remarkable at that time. So fast forward to 1984, and there was a similar historical situation because the uh, games were awarded to Los Angeles in 1978. And at the time, uh, and the, the, uh, the domestic bid, you, the LA beat out New York for the right to be the US candidate. That happened in 1977. Well, the year before, in 1976, the Olympics took place in Montreal, and they quite famously ran up a deficit of more than a billion dollars in 1976 dollars. And that spooked a lot of cities and countries around the world from wanting to bid for the games. Uh, Los Angeles was in the running, but was the only city internationally that the IOC had to choose from. Uh, and that led to, locally, uh, people placing a measure on the ballot here in Los Angeles uh, to prohibit the expenditure of any city funds on the organizing of the games. Uh, and that was done because of what happened in Montreal. And because of that, the games were awarded to a private organizing committee. And you know, kind of the rest is history, because the private organizing committee under Peter Ubroth generated a surplus of more than $230 million uh, and staged a very successful Olympics organizationally and logistically and otherwise. In the run-up to the 84 Olympics, there was also a lot of skepticism. Uh, people were concerned that the private organizing committee uh, wouldn't be able to deliver on its promises. Uh, there were concerns that despite the uh, ballot measure in Los Angeles, somehow taxpayers would get stuck with the bill. There were concerns over traffic, over crime, over air quality, all things that didn't materialize. And so again, when the games opened, and with a spectacular opening ceremony produced by Hollywood producer David Walper, Again, like in 1932, the rest is history. A euphoria swept over the community, uh, and the games were uh, wildly successful. A lot of the criticism, the skepticism you mentioned that, that happens during the lead-up to any Olympic Games, that started in Boston as soon as the USOC announced the city would be bidding for the 2024 Olympics. So I guess in light of that, what what would your advice be to LA leaders, city leaders, what will they do differently or should they do differently than Boston did if chosen by the USOC? Well, I'm sure they will stick to the same philosophy that has worked for Los Angeles in the previous successful Olympics. But I would tell you that what you comment on in Boston, the same thing happened in LA uh, in the late 1970s when LA was designated as the US candidate for the 84 games. Immediately, uh, opposition groups sprang up. Uh, and that's how that measure got on the ballot that I mentioned the, to prohibit expenditure of tax dollars on the games. And opinion polls at the time showed that, yes, people wanted the Olympics, but by the same token, people were opposed to using government funds to make it possible. Uh, and that's ultimately what carried the day, but it led to a lot of skepticism in the early going. And I can attest, I was an early employee uh, at the organizing committee, and it was very common in the first year or two we were operating uh, that if you told someone that you worked for the Olympic Committee locally, uh, they were very upset. They, they thought what you were doing was not what they wanted or was going to end up costing them money in the end. 
Simon has been active in international sports since 1977 when he became involved in LA's bid to host the 1984 Games. He also served as president of the LA 2012 and 2016 bid committees. If the LA City Council approves the bid proposal on Tuesday, the USOC and LA 2024 will have two weeks to prepare a final bid to submit to the IOC by the September 15th deadline. In other Olympic host news, Rio 2016 will mark the one-year countdown to the Summer Paralympics on September 7th. Festivities mirroring those that took place at the beginning of August to celebrate one year to go until the Rio Olympic Games will take place throughout the city this week. Around the Rings reporter Aaron Bauer is in Rio. The last that we spoke, Bauer and I discussed test events taking place in Rio, including triathlon, sailing, and equestrian competitions. Since then, marathon swimming and rowing have held respective test events in the city. Rio 2016 leaders have had to answer a lot of questions concerning water pollution in places like Guanabara Bay. But overall, Bauer says test events in Rio have gone very well. Uh, the test events have been keeping me occupied. You know, they're, they had a bunch clustered in August and a few will take place in the beginning of September just to um, get a lot of the outdoor events to mimic the weather conditions that athletes will be facing in a year when they're here for the actual games. You know, the organization is probably as, as good as it's going to be. Um, there have been some mistakes, which, you know, is to be expected. These are um, test events. They're not, you know, full-fledged international competitions. They're designed so that, you know, the organizing committee can learn from them. So things like, you know, media operations are not always tested. And, you know, at the ones they were, they were top-notch. And, you know, the organizing committee's learning as much as they can. You mentioned they're trying to mirror weather patterns that would maybe occur during the Olympics next year. How has the weather been in Rio during your stay so far? Uh, August has been a, a great month, um, mostly sunny, only a few days of rain, um, apparently much less rain than usual that they get. But, you know, for it being winter down here, it doesn't feel like winter at all. It feels like uh, late spring, early summer back in Atlanta. So far, I know there have been a lot of test events, press conferences, the celebration, as I mentioned, at the beginning of the month, marking the one-year countdown. What what has become, I guess, your routine in Rio for the time being in the lead-up to the Games? How many events do you cover in a week? Um, it depends on the week. This week was pretty slow. Only been to two events so far. But it, some days I'm working seven days a week. But some days, some weeks I'm not, you know? It, it's It kind of just depends what's happening. In Rio, things kind of pop up, you know, right before they happen. Um, it's not like they have a giant schedule beforehand because there's so much going on. So, you know, some days opportunities come out of nowhere. Some days they don't. And it, it it's very variable. But, you know, they're, they're keeping me busy down here. And how do Rio 2016 and city leaders plan to celebrate the one-year countdown to the Paralympics next week? Um, they're going to have a little showcase event um, in a park just to the side of uh, the Lagoa, which is where the rowing and canoe sprint events will take place. Um, they've they've got some cultural um, tents set up, and they're they're going to do a, a showcase of different Paralympic sports so that the public can try them and see, you know, that these are high performing athletes because uh, international athletes are going to be there showcasing their sports. Um, these these are athletes that you know are at the peak of their training so the public will get some awareness from that and really see how the paralympics helps these people and introduces sports into their lives so 
In the near future, I know Rio has a lot of obstacles to, not obstacles necessarily, but things to hurdle in, in the coming months before the games. What would you say is the biggest challenge in the near future for them to overcome? I mean, the the biggest challenge is just delivering everything. You know, they like to toot how close they are to finishing some things, but the fact remains we are less than a year to go to the Olympics, and a majority of venues are not complete yet. Um, authorities down here say that's what they want, and that was always the plan. So we'll see um, how well everything gets put together before the Games. That was Around the Rings reporter Aaron Bauer joining us from Rio, where organizers and city leaders are carrying on the march to the 2016 Olympic and Paralympic Games. Tune in this week for an edition of ATR Radio featuring Iranian-American Kat Kosryar, the coach of Iran's national under-14 girls team. Kosryar, who also captained the Iranian women's national soccer team, is now hoping to revolutionize women's soccer in the country by starting at the youth level of the sport. And as always, be sure to check into Around the Rings online on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. I'm Nicole Bennett. Thanks for listening.